I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, ahoy, and welcome to Writer's Routine. This week we're chatting to Mark Pawlowski. Uh, Mark worked as a reporter for the Wall Street Journal and, and many other publications across the world. And he's taken that experience and knowledge and written his first thriller with it. It's called Hack. It stars Nick Byron as a journalist investigating crimes and conspiracy. Now, we talk about why sometimes Mark struggles with the writing, but it's the reward that keeps him going, that makes him drive on. Also, you can hear why he keeps a style guide always nearby, and we talk about what reporting and interviews taught him about moving a story along. Writing long pieces that are just uh, void of dialogue, I, I think, is deadly, uh, or can be deadly. So, having your having your characters, even if it's you know, even if it's just for spice, um, I, I think is really important that you have a human element in there. And that was, you know, true of journalism. Who are your sources? How good are your sources? You know, what do they have to say? Are they saying something that is, you know, that, that is moving the story forward? There is more with Mark Paloski in this week's Writer's Routine. Welcome along to the show. My name's Dan. This is Writer's Routine. It's where we take uh, the best authors around, new emerging authors, people who have done it for years, people who write in their bedrooms at night, people who manipulate their entire day to get their creativity down, to give it a place to work. Not just a place, but a time and the space around them too. Uh, this week, we talk to Mark Pawlowski. Uh, he's worked as a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, was an editor for CNBC.com, oversaw financial news channels across the world and studied as well at the Missouri School of Journalism. And he finally got time to write down all of that experience as a novel. Well, a couple of novels, really. The first one is Hack. It's a Nick Byron investigation book. It follows Nick, a journalist for Newshound, which is an online startup, and his research into global conspiracies. Now, in Hack... Uh, a top secret US surveillance technology is stolen and offered for sale on the black market and Nick needs to expose the plot, get the story down before he is silenced for good. Now we talk about brevity a lot in the show and this is something that reporters and journalists uh, have brought up quite often over the last 240 episodes. You might remember that SK Tremaine, the travel writer, spoke to us about it a few weeks ago, about how it's important to keep things clear and really write what is needed. Don't waste everyone's time, particularly yours, for going off on, on tangents that aren't really going to do any good. Mark goes into some brilliant detail on that. You can hear why good writing is rewriting, really, and how a lot of his process is rereading and rewriting fixing up before he gets to the end. Also, uh, he's just moved and has a writing room. A purpose-built writing room, the luxury of the thing. Uh, you can hear about that in just a sec. We go through the whole lot. Uh, also, there is like a, a slight high-pitched buzzing hissing on this. It's an interference. I don't know where it's come from, but hopefully it's not too distracting for you and you can push on. Uh, so let's jump into it then with Mark Poloski talking about what he sees around him in the place where he sits down to write. Contractors just finished uh, a, a writing room for me, a study, and 
Uh, we moved into this house, like I mentioned, five months ago uh, after being in Seattle for 27 years. We moved to the Midwest for my wife's career. And I had these beautiful limestone walls um, in there. Uh, the stones are about uh, each two feet um, wide. And uh, Missouri has a lot of limestone caves, and that's where the, the, this came from. So limestone walls uh, with windows. It, I, this used to be a um, sun porch, a screened-in sun porch. We took out all the screens and put windows and turned it into uh, a study for me so I could I could write and I can see out um, across our street. And it's a lovely fall day. Um, and in my... Uh, I, I, at my desk, I have um, it's it's littered with all sorts of stuff, um, pheasant feathers and simple lighters and um, a Mont Blanc pen, um, and then I'm surrounded by bookcases. Um, so there you go. So you've got the bookcases, you've you've got something of a view. Is is there anything else inspiring around you? Maybe art or family photos. Well, yes. So I have uh, behind me, I have a poem that my son wrote, uh, Benjamin, when he was probably in, I don't know, maybe first or second grade in a painting that he did. Um, And then, yes, I am surrounded by family photos of um, my two boys and and my wife and and of my family itself. I um, am a fam from a family. I'm the youngest of really 10, but uh, nine that survived. So I have our old family photo of all of us when we were children. And then pictures of my father who was in um, World War II with my four uncles uh, over in Europe. So I have pictures of him when he uh, was uh, um, in the army there. Um, And then just other sort of trinkets, a fly fishing basket, I, I'm a fly fisherman and I have a fly fishing uh, motif on the wall. And then I have a, I have this um, uh, concrete uh, sort of head statue of a, uh, of a, an Egyptian God that was used in the making of the 10 commandments that a friend gave me. So um, it's a miniature, but they blew it up on the screen to look like it was uh, seven stories tall. So, um, so that's what's inspirational. Is there anything practical around you? So, um, post-it notes, perhaps, or a pin board, something where you jot down ideas. Notebooks, maybe. I have notebooks, uh, no pin board. Um, a few, um, a few posted notes. Uh, I, I have a rather fat um, leather-bound um, folder that has yellow legal pads in that I write on. That originally I was writing everything in longhand. And so I have still a lot of uh, legal pads here that I scribble on. And then a vast assortment of newspaper articles um, uh, that I, I uh, just kind of squirrel away and think about um, if, if there's anything in there that could be used in a, in a novel. Also, I have, um, uh, I have the uh, Wall Street Journal storytelling step-by-step uh, the Associated Press style uh, book and libel manual, um, and another uh, journal, a source, um, the Wall Street Journal style book uh, from when I was a reporter with the Wall Street Journal, and and, and I also have a, a framed pictures of the Wall Street Journal stories I've I've done in in other newspapers and news organizations I've worked at. The Wall Street, um, the, the 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 journal. Uh, kind of advisory, the storytelling manual, that was the word I'm looking for. Uh, how, when, when you were writing, how important was that as an aid to you? So, I mean, you know, it was, it was one of the first things they issued when you uh, joined the journal and it really does, you know, it, at that point in time, I, I, I don't know that the journal is the same way today. Uh, you know, I, it, it's not really, um, but they had a very, um, uh, identifiable writing style, and uh, they they took that and and sort of formatted it into a step by step process. You know, here is how a journal story is constructed, um, and even you know, uh, even having that, uh, it was still it was still a lot of work to uh, to get it so the editors um, uh, w- would like it, and they you know they all, all, often made um, 
changes to your story, but it was very helpful. And it's just very helpful just to see the, the beauty of the different writing uh, uh, styles of people that could fit into the journal format. I mean, there was, they, they had a format, but it was a format that allowed good writers to really um, hone their craft as well. And I think um, it was, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a Bible. And um, so I thought it was great. How handy was that for you as you moved onwards? I, I imagine at the start when you're writing, yet you're being told that you need to follow this dictum almost, that you need to do it in this way. That might be kind of tricky to format it naturally that way. As you moved on through the journal and, and you had written many stories over many years, how natural was it for you to just write how they wanted you to write? Uh, it, so... Um what it was, was, I think, or, you know, what lived on was some of the technique that they had about uh, how you voice and, um, you, you know, being active, that every, you know, every sentence should lead to, every word should build on itself in that sentence and every sentence should build on the paragraph and the paragraph should build on the, on the full story. So thinking about it in those terms was very helpful. Um and I also had a, a, a journalism professor in, in um, college who talked in paragraphs. I mean, he was, you know, he was an old uh, reporter. And um, that also stayed with me as well. You know, how you format uh, or formulate your thinking and taking what's in your head and talking to other people and, and doing it in a very sort of, you know, structured way. Uh, I don't. I'm not like that necessarily the way I talk, but uh, it, it helps you in the writing process about the way you think and how people consume information. And I think that's, that was the whole point of the journal was like how best to give your reader the most succinct, important, and where you can elegant um, um, uh, story possible. So that, that has stayed with me. How long were the pieces you tended to write for the journal? Uh, they went, they, I mean, they were all over the board, but the, 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 the um, page one stories, uh, you know, generally fell into the, you know, 3,000 plus, 4,000 plus words um, and, and could go longer. Um, uh, and then, you know, then the, the stories on the inside of the journal were much tighter, much more uh, restricted. And, you know, we're, we're in the, the hundred word category, uh, you know, 600, 500, 800 words sort of. Um, but the, the page one, the, the leaders on either left or right hand side of the journal were the, were the longer pieces. So learning that discipline in being able to tell a story both in 5,000 words or maybe 500 words or even less, it it's, must have been a, an important skill for you, you to get. When you moved on to now publish novels and be writing, you know, 80, 90, 100,000 words, how much did that kind of grounding and training help you out, even though it was a, a much longer form of story, these novels? Well, the discipline is great. And so uh, in, 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 in that, I mean, you go back and really try to make every word uh, earn its keep, right? Um, and, I, and, and maybe, you know, maybe all writers like this, but I, I certainly am. Um, uh, I anything that's frivolous, I'm just like, that, that has no business in here. On the other hand, I, I find writing to be very um, hard. Uh, uh, I, you know, I have friends who can belch and knock out 20,000 words. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those people, <laughs> you know. Um, I try to discipline myself to write 800 or 1,000 words a, a, a day. Um, and uh, often I find that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of crawling over the, the goal line uh, uh, to get there. Um, so it, uh, it's demanding. And I, and I think that's what the journal, you know, was. It was demanding as well. Um, uh, I, if, if you're a more fluid writer, um, God bless you. I'm not one of those. I guess the question then is, what, why carry on? If writing, it, it, obviously if you enjoy the craft, but maybe it, it doesn't come as 
I get this is the wrong wording probably, so I apologise, but maybe it doesn't come as natural to you as it might to someone else in that you sometimes you are struggling to get those words down. When it can be such a a challenge and an arduous time, why are you um what why why carry on? Why write novels now? Damn good question. <laughs> I'm asking myself. No, it's so it's just, you know, I, I, either you feel like I I I and I'm just speaking for myself that you have stories to tell uh, and you want to tell them. Um, and, and on the other hand, if I'm not writing, I feel very unproductive and I feel very unfulfilled. So uh, uh, that's the motivation for me, you know, after publishing a book and, or, you know, writing the, the, the novels I've written and, you know, people say, well, that's that must be great. You must be feel so wonderful about that and how happy you must be in it. And I'm like, you know, not really. I mean, um, because that end product is less important to me than the work product. And so the working is where I really get my fulfillment mostly out of. Uh, yes, I like completing the book. I like being able to have a well-told story and great developed characters, but it's creating that every day is, is what, where I really find my, you know, my satisfaction. What is it about that? Do you think that makes you come back when you are finding it tough? What is it about kind of world and character creation that means, okay, I'm going to sit there tomorrow and do it all over again. Uh, masochism, uh, comes to mind, but, uh, but uh, honestly it's, it's, uh, it's just, you know, I think it's like any job, whether you're a bricklayer or, you know, you're a painter or you're a carpenter or a scientist, you know, it's, it's, it's doing what you want to do and trying to do it the best as you can, um, in, in, in that moment that, you know, that's, um, helps the motivation for the next day and the day after that. And, um, you know, I said, you know, repeating myself, but being productive, um, and really feeling like, okay, I accomplished something today that was pretty good. Uh, and I want to see if I can do more of that tomorrow. There are days though, that I step away and say, I didn't accomplish anything that was any good. And I really didn't do it very, uh, didn't really hit my goals. And, uh, I sit back down the next day and find out that whatever was, you know, badgering me the day before hasn't gone away. And so it's, you know, working through that and getting through those hard periods onto the other side is also, you know, part of it uh, that, you know, drives me. I generally start around 11 a.m. and um, in broad strokes, try to write from 11 to 5 Uh and in the morning I'm up and I, you know, um, I'm old school enough that I still have the, <clears throat> the wall street journal and the New York times delivered, um, in the, um, newspapers and read those. And then, you know, read the Washington post and a couple other news sites. Um, and then just, you know, it, it, it's in the morning, I'm just kind of turning on my brain and, and, getting prepared uh, to write, though I'm not really thinking about writing other than I know that uh, when I need to go into the study and sit down and turn the computer on. And then once I do that, I generally uh, go back to what I wrote the day before and really um, with a very critical eye uh, and um, go through that step by step, um, often reading it aloud. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, and, and, you know, good writings, rewriting. So I, I, I will dive into those, that chapter and make changes and hope make improvements. Um, and then I'll go back to the beginning of the story and do the same thing, reading it all the way from the top to what I just created the day before. Um, and some days it's, um, I spend, more time doing that than I probably should. And that's a, I think a flag and indication that I'm not really quite sure where I go from here. Uh, so I'm trying to, uh, you know, wrap my head in the subconscious around that. Um, some days I just whip right through it and, and start writing the next chapter and I'm off and running and not only the next chapter, but I have two or three chapters that I can just, 
um, have have the um, the beginnings to that I, I jot down as well. Um, and generally, if it's if, if it's a uh, a good writing day, I'm you know um, uh, working through the lunch hour period all the way to the uh, five o'clock. Uh, take a break, uh, and then I will if I if I'm happy with what I wrote, I will then read it to my um my my spouse uh when she uh, gets home from work and she was an english major um so she listens to what i have to um what i, what, what I produce that, that that day you know my my work product and um in reading it to her i'm also editing and i'm catching things um smaller things but uh nuanced things as well and making notes or changing it um a, a, along as i go so that's that's sort of the uh, beginning to end of what my day my day generally looks like. And, you know, in between when I have fallow periods, I'm up walking around the house. And I do find that um, I'll be writing and I really like where I'm going and I know what's coming next. But uh, I have a little bit of uh, focus problems. I have to get up and just kind of walk around and, and, and not get... Um, too involved with the moment and just give myself a little breathing space and then return to the return to the desk so so it sounds very thorough in that you're you're going over what you've worked on quite extensively and i I imagine when you're when you're coming to the end you know when you're sixty thousand words in and you're kind of rereading that in, in mornings how do you how are you not getting bogged down in what's happened how much of a roadblock do you think that might be in in pushing you on if you're spending a significant portion of your time constantly rereading and making tweaks to something that you did yesterday and weeks ago and even more weeks before that yeah you know um i you know really the flip side of that to me is 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 that it's a smoothing out process more than it is a, a, a creating a barrier um it it allows me or allows the characters uh, to really come off the page for me. So it's, it's, it's not a chore to go back and reread it. Um, uh, other than, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, de- it's a definite time hit. Uh, but the more lengthier it gets, I don't have to read it in such detail as I, as I am in, in the early chapters. And um, it, it also helps me say, okay, is this exactly okay? This is what the character did in chapter fourteen, and now we are in chapter thirty-three. Is that does that sound honest? Does that sound factual? Does that to my ear? Is that how the character would react in this? What they would say, or am I just putting stuff out there to to fill the page? So. Um, it's, I, I, I won't deny that it's, um, it's laborious, but it is also a way of just streamlining. So when my editor does get it, um, uh, hopefully there's, there's a less of a, of a long period of back and forth with them. Um, sometimes it works and I guess sometimes it doesn't, but, um, it, it does help just smooth the process for me. It keeps me. It keeps me close to the story. I mean, just, you know, it, it keeps me vested in that story. So anyway, that was it. And at the end of the day, when you have given it to your partner who, who reads it and then gives opinions, how easy do you find it switching off? I mean, you've spent a significant amount of the day with these characters in, in this tale. When you're done for the day, how good are you at putting it to bed until you start all over again tomorrow? Uh, I, you know, so, uh, in the, so I'm working on the fifth book in the series right now. Um, and I would say in the first couple, uh, it was with me morning, noon and night. Um, and maybe even in the, in the first four uh, with this one, uh, the fifth one, it's less so. Um, and, and I've wondered why that is. And I, 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 I think part of the pro, uh, part of the reason is that I haven't convinced myself yet of the full story that I want to tell. Um, uh, 
and I, I started on the fifth one, um, got in, I don't know, eight, 10,000 words, and then decided that, um, I would, I, I, I had sort of written myself into a, a, a box Canyon. And so I just threw all that away and started over. I took pieces of it. Um, so this one, this one has been a, a little bit different than the others. Um, uh, though I still do find myself, um, waking up in the morning and say, e, or at night, I'll often read what I wrote. I'll send it to myself and read it on my phone and make notes, um, just before I go to sleep. And so in the morning, those are fresh in my head. How many days of the week are you writing generally? And when, when you're finding it difficult with a day, I know you said you get up and kind of stretch around. Uh, ha- <clears throat> have you landed upon any tricks that make it a bit easier for you? Uh, we've had people uh, like have a cup of coffee at a certain time or maybe listen to a very precise bit of music, maybe movie soundtracks. Is there anything that you've learned that just helps kind of grease the wheels when you're finding them get stuck? We, I go and weed the yard, <laughs> believe it or not, you know, just kind of walk around and pull weeds out of the, out of the cracks in the sidewalk. And uh, I get out, you know, getting outside where there's fresh air and uh, uh, closer to nature um, and, you know, kind of touching, uh, you know, touching the outdoors uh, does help. I don't know if it if, if if it inspires me to get back with a great idea, but it just it gives me a better perspective. We get quite nerdy, I would say, on the show. If, I mean, if this hadn't been nerdy enough, um, listeners are very intrigued about like writing setups software. So, uh, what 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 software do you write on? And also, the real clincher: what font do you like to use, Mark? Well, um, I, I just use Word, um, <laughs> and I have a, a, a Apple uh, laptop, um, and I can't even tell you which one it is because my wife gave it to me for Christmas, and and I have three other, two other old laptops, both Apple, that are stored away with a whole bunch of stuff on. Um, I uh, I use uh, I, in in this one I'm writing at times. Um, uh, Times New, I'll give you exactly Times New Roman. Uh, but Calibri is uh, what I've written in before, and I like it a lot. Um, and I've, I've toyed around with uh, uh, Garmin. Uh, I think that was right uh, in the past. Um, and so in the writing, um, my character, or in the in the novels, my character has gone into working on pa- podcasts. So there's you know different fonts for the podcast. There's different pon- fonts for the text messaging. There's different p- fonts for email, and different fonts for you know when he's listening to a voicemail. Which my editors and and copy editors and proofers are all very good at. Um, uh, making suggestions of how to make that stand out and make it different from the body of the, the main body of the story. So the readers know, okay, identify I'm going, I, I now I'm listening to a podcast or now I'm seeing that he's getting a text message. And so there's that visual cue with it. Um, uh, so there's, there's three or four different fonts uh, embedded in each one of these, in each one of these novels. You said that you, did right with Calibri and now you're, you're on to times. Why make the drastic switch? Uh, I, so I, I don't know what was conscious, um, but I think my, one of my editors um, likes the times new Roman. Uh, and so, um, and also when I, from my point of view, the times new Roman, when I blow it up, I'm writing at 13 and a half uh, points. Um, it is easier for me to read, um, and the spacing between the lines is has more. It, it, it breathes more, so uh, I think I see the words better, um, and um, can just re- relate to the words better. I will say, when I started out in well, not not necessarily started in journalism, but one of my stints in journalism, um, I wrote on. Uh, IBM selector type threes uh, for a couple years. And um, 
uh, was able, uh, got to the point where I could uh, type backwards as fast as I could type forwards because I would erase whole lines with the, <laughs> they had the erase function on there. So um, I, I have no problem with that. Just deleting large parts of what I've written and, and right over top of it. Just looking back on the, the, the rules for writing for the Wall Street Journal and, and now you moving now in, into, into full-on novels, uh, just uh, very briefly, what did writing journalism teach you about the way stories needed to be set out? What, what made and maybe still makes a good way to tell a story for you? Pacing. Uh, is I think is critical. Uh, the, the the human voice uh, is another one that your character. So, it, you know, writing long pieces that are just uh, void of dialogue, I, I think, is deadly uh, or can be deadly. So, having your having your characters, even if it's you know, even if it's just for spice, um, I, I think is really important that you have a human element in there. And that was, you know, true of journalism. Who are your sources? How good are your sources? You know, what do they have to say? Are they saying something that is, you know, that, that is moving the story forward? So I, I, I think that the biggest thing that I took away from journalism is constantly having that story moving forward. And a, 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 as, as natural as possible, a very deliberate but rapid pace. So the reader isn't, isn't just frozen in time somewhere. And how do, you, how do you get that across in the story you're telling? Is it very simply about the words you're using, making sure they're not uh, unnecessarily grandiose, perhaps, just keeping things short keeping things moving keeping chapters short how does that side of it work so i you know i i didn't deliberately set out to um have chapters a certain length but uh, i've gotten feedback uh from the reviews and and um people who have read the now they really like the chapters that you know get you to the point very quickly and get you through the chapter. And then they're right into another chapter. So, um, and so it's, it's, it's the words I get, obviously at the end of the day, it's all about the words, but uh, you know, it, it comes natural for me to have a, 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 a sentence flow that is, can be staccato that can be long. And it's just, it's just mixing those, how those sentences are, 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 are formatted and the length of those sentences and the, um, uh, the, the way people speak, uh, you know, it could be a one word response. It could be a, you know, a longer sort of a, a monologue. So just varying the sentence structure and sentence type and length, um, I find is really key to keeping the action moving forward. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
We're back with more from Mark in just a sec. Uh, I'd like to just prompt you very quickly, if I can, towards our Patreon page. If you're enjoying the show, the best way to support us is by becoming a backer at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. For a couple of dollars a month, I know times are tight, so anything that you can give is really appreciated. It just helps us carry on. It helps us keep bringing you these chats with the best authors around. We've done over 240 of the things now, and long may that continue for me. Um, and, and I hope you can help that happen for that. You get merch, you get our eternal thanks. There is even a way for your book to sponsor this show by becoming a backer at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. You can also help us out, follow us on Twitter. We are at Writers Pod there and you can get in touch whatever you think if there's any authors that you want to hear from. You might have sent that through, by the way. I have got quite a few emails recently of, of recommendations, authors that they want to hear from. They want to hear how they work. If that's you, uh, just, you know, stand down. I am working on it, I promise. Uh, hopefully we'll get some of them on in the next year. Let's get back to it then with Mark Pawlowski talking about his new novel. It's the first in the Nick Byron investigation series. It's called Hack. We talk about how it was inspired by his life and the events that he covered as a reporter. Also, how he made his lead character different. There's quite a few different takes on um, the uh, kind of lone wolf uh, finding out the truth in thrillers recently. And Mark knows that, so what did he do to make his character, Nick Byron, different? You can hear what finally made him decide to write the novel. And we pick things up discussing when he first had that initial idea. What set it off for him? It, it, probably years ago, um, there was a... Um, I was an uh, editor in, um, uh, in Washington, D.C., and there was this... Um, uh, long involved tale uh, about uh, software um, being stolen uh, by uh, first it was Israeli spies and then it was the the, the federal government and this and 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 it was a it was a true to life story um, and the the problem with that story was it you know every time the um, you would confront the the person who created the software about okay you we've proved that what you said is not true the story would change and it would become another you know there it'd be one constant new refrain and uh i guess alibis on his part about what really happened um but it wasn't you know it was a story that was getting national attention um, from the New York Times, Washington Post, um, the paper I was working on at the time. Um, so that lingered in in my subconscious for the longest um, time. And um, Hack is really the second novel in the series. Um, the first novel is Newshound, then Hack, then Friendly Fire, then Blackbird, and now the one I'm writing now is Rendezvous. But we started with Hack, and we're going to in Newshound. The first book is going to be a prequel, um, and the opening for Hack uh, really came out of my um, experience as a reporter with the Journal. I was uh, in the Dallas bureau <clears throat> when the Oklahoma City bombing happened, and um, I was one of the first reporters on the site uh, in Oklahoma City because it was just a short flight into Oklahoma from from Dallas. Uh, and I often wondered what the two people, Terry Nichols and, and McVeigh, were thinking about as they were driving this truck full of explosives to Oklahoma City to blow up this building, what their conversations were like, what, who they were. And as it turned out, um, I grew up in a rural area in, in northern Michigan, and both of these uh, people were from that same area. And not only from the same area, they worked for um, a, this this farmer rancher that I also worked for when I was a, a young lad, and who he was a bit of a black hot helicopter uh, person, and uh, and obviously they were into conspiracies as well. So that also stuck with me. And so the opening hack are these two guys driving back after they set this explosive off, um, and so I tried to weave. I, I shouldn't say I tried to weave. These events in my life as a reporter have 
woven themselves into the, the stories um, that I'm writing. So you had that as your starting point. How much did you know about the entire journey of the novel when you sat down initially to start typing at that first sentence? How much of the whole thing was clear? Uh, so on the first couple of novels, uh, uh, I, I outlined them pretty thoroughly. Um, and um, so with Hack, I don't know that I had the ending. I had the beginning. I had, at least I had waypoints that I knew that I wanted to hit on. And um, as it sort of unfolded, um, I had other characters uh, that I've come across uh, or thought about that I thought, well, they would fit perfectly here. So they kind of dropped in. Um, and what I try to do is listen to the characters about how the, you know, this, the story should develop, um, you know, what really um, they would be thinking and what really the, what they w- would be doing, uh, the key characters, you know, how would they defend themselves? How would they defend their family? How would they, how would they try to save their reputation? And so those are key questions I have in my mind. And I kind of let my characters help me answer those. Um, so I didn't have the whole novel uh, on a, you know, stone a tablet, um, but I had milestones in my head about how the, how the novel should unfold. And then um, having, the, having the characters part of that recipe helps kind of drive it to the, to the end result. Well, let's talk about that. The lead character, Nick Byron. There's no, in, in fairness, there's, there are quite a few um, thriller type books that are driven by, um, you, you know, men who are, it's not, it's not that they're all the same, believe me. It's just, but that, that are driven by the, these kind of rogue-ish men, if you understand, I'm, I'm in tentative ground here. Uh, how, when you were writing Nick, how did you get to know him to make him sufficiently different from characters in thrillers that had come before? Um, so... One, he's a little bit of an homage to uh, a, a reporter that used to work for me um, uh, who wrote a, uh, a muckraking column called Through the Keyhole um, for the New York Observer. And in uh, styled it somewhat on, on the true-to-life character uh, who was always uh, pursuing um, uh, investigations and in stories and who always took the, the, the viewpoint that, uh, you know, there's corruption at the bottom of this. Um, and he was always looking to <clears throat> ex- expose that corruption. Uh, and then I sort of melded it with the, you know, uh, Nick is a bit of a, um, uh, a smart ass, uh, who, um, Life has dealt professionally. Life has dealt him, uh, you know, a, a, a couple good thumps on the head, and not just uh, irregularly, but often. And, um, and you know, a, as a reporter myself, I, you know, I've seen careers and had my own career, you know, bounce around and uh, uh, have you know major setbacks, and um, you know, go around corners that uh, you thought you knew what was around that corner and it turned out to be exactly the opposite of what you were, what you were anticipating. And so, you know, Nick is not a, uh, he has no superpowers. Um, uh, he has a power, he has his intuition. He has a power of observation. He's, uh, he's got tenacity, uh, but life, you know, life smacks Nick up at the head, uh, quite often. And, um, uh, and, and, you know, how he deals with that and how his, the support he gets from his by his colleagues and his uh, uh, romantic partner is all part of the you know sort of the life life mixture for him and uh, and I can't speak to other characters you know how how um, how he's you know totally different from other characters he but he is who he is and he's not um, he he's he's not hopefully um, like anybody else out there. He, you know, he's, he's an individual. And what's interesting is that 
um, he's not a you know he's not a, a grizzled cop or or anything like that. Like, uh, how confident were you when you started writing that the world of reporting and being a journalist was engaging and exciting enough to carry along a, a, a four hundred word per page story, rather? Uh I, you know, in my heart, I knew it was because I was a journalist. I knew what the thrill of the chase was like and uh, how, you know, how rewarding it could be. But oftentimes it's just ashes in your mouth because you spend so much time pursuing stories and people won't talk to you and they're dead ends and there's just frustrations and your editors that can be, you know, just trolls and, uh, uh, you know, they can even you come up against the villains and, you know, you have other reporters who are trying to undercut you. And um, so it's, you know, re- reporting is a, is, is a team sport to the extent that you're working in a, in a larger group, but it is the most individualistic thing uh, as a career, because it's at the end of the day, it's your name on that. And you're the one who's responsible and you're the one, uh, you're, you know, you're trying to b- build your career and stand out, um, within this larger organization. And, and I had, you know, just anecdotally now, uh, people who have read the book and, you know, have commented on it or in reviews, you know, just w- how, uh, true to life they feel um that the you know nick is a reporter and the stories that he's doing uh kind of hit home with them and i've had one one old grizzled reporter says this really makes me just you know long for the days of going back and 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 pursuing stories uh uh and you know how much he really misses that so you know whether or not it's effective for everybody i don't know but uh i I, I do think it it gives you a, at least a, a sliver of a view into a reporter's life. You uh, had this idea, the original idea for this book, many many years ago, and you you worked as a as a journalist. What what was the moment where you finally sat down and thought, <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing my novels now? What 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 happened to make you think now is the right time to get all these things down? So I will try to make this as, as brief as possible. I was um, a uh, um, uh, working for a, a media company and was um, on the West Coast, and their their headquarters was back on the East Coast, and they wanted to consolidate uh, the far flung editors, and um, and you know offered me to come back and work out of the headquarters, and I didn't want to do that. I'm a, you know I had my family, I'm 27 years. Uh, living uh, just outside Seattle on, on Mercer Island. Um, and so I went and started, you know, doing my own company and consulting new media and startups and <clears throat> some uh, video news operations, et cetera. And out of the blue, I was, a, uh, I was in a parking lot um, and ran into an old friend who asked who, was writing his autobiography and he asked me if I've ever written a a book. And I said, no, but I've written 20,000 word articles and you string four of those together, five of those together. You got a book. And I said, you know, I, you know, I thought about writing a book, but I never really had. And anyway, uh, he said, you know what? I think I would like um, to talk to you about, you know, you helping me out on this project. So we, we had these long discussions over several months um, about, the voice for his book and the structure of his book and the story he wanted to tell. And eventually he decided to go with a ghostwriting firm out of, out of New York city. Uh, and so I had been building my own, in my own head that I would, you know, I was going to do this book and, uh, uh, that vanished. And, uh, it was, it was, it was disappointing. Now I, you know, I didn't fault him, uh, but it was disappointing that, you know, that, that sort of came to an end. And I just decided at that point, you know, well, what if I gave myself five months to write? What could I do? And so I shut down my other business, turned off the clients, um, and just committed to seeing if I could write a novel. And um, that's how it all started. And how much of us has any of it been a surprise to you? As as as. Uh, Yes. 
<laughs> yes. The, the fact that I'm now writing the fifth one is a huge surprise. Uh, you know, I thought I would do do one and I, I you know, I finished the first one. I sent it on to, um, you know, sent it out to a couple agents. And the first one I sent it to got back to me, a very well-known, very successful agent said, you know, I love this. You know, I, I, I love the reporter aspect of this. And if so, it was like lightning in a bottle. And I thought to myself, well, this isn't that hard. You know, this is, uh, but then, then, then the hard part came, uh, you know, with getting a publisher and then um, being a debut novelist. And, uh, you know, we got up with the first book all the way to the editorial committees on, on several large uh, publishing houses. And they said, you know, we'd like to see another book before we make a decision. You know, we just don't want to, you know, anybody can knock out one book. Let's see if he's got it in to write more than one. Uh, and is this a potential series? So I started on what became hack at that point. Um, and we sent hack out uh, to the publishing houses that were interested and it literally hit their desk the day the world shut down with COVID. And I mean, the lockdown happened and, you know, publishing houses just pulled in their horns started laying off people. And so um, I found out how hard it could be. So, but my, but, you know, my agent said, just, you know, keep on writing. And so that's what I, that's what I did. Thank you so much to Mark Poloski. That book is Hack, the first in the Nick Byron investigation series. There's another coming next year. Uh, you can grab a copy of it online. Next week, we are with Lucy Hooft. Uh, she's worked for the Foreign Office, travelling all around the world, and she's put down her stories uh, into the tale of Sarah Black, a female spy. The first novel is The King's Poem. That's a really good chat. Make sure you're following the podcast so it automatically downloads to your feed this time next week, fingers crossed. In the meantime, you can support us, patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Give us a follow on Twitter, we are at writerspod there, and you can let me know what you think at writersroutine.com, and I will see you next week with Lucy Hooft. Until then, bye. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 